When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Book Riot's annual challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2021 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenge will hopefully help you discover amazing books you wouldn't have otherwise picked up. Read a romance by a trans or non-binary author, nonfiction about anti-racism, middle grade mysteries, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full list of challenges and to check out the prizing for those who complete the challenge. That's right. There are prizes. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to find out more. Hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, the place that we help you go to first to find out about romance and all of the stuff connected to it. We are recording on December 10th. It's a Thursday. Episode number 73 and the last one of 2020. Get that thing out of here. Yes. I am delighted to get to record once more with you in 2020, Jess, but I think we are all in agreement that... We are even more excited to record together in 2021. Yes. <laughs> we do actually, though, we do have, we've um, been doing recommendations for the last, oh, I did, I don't, I think I interrupted you before you introduced yourself. I introduced you. You are Jess. I'm Jess and that's Trisha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Going great. Closing out 2020 with a really solid, uh, <laughs> with really solid introductions. Um, but we have <laughs> our last couple of episodes were our recommendation episodes. And so there's not a ton of news, but there are a couple of things here and there that we wanted to get a chance to to chat about. We have, I think, mostly good news. We have a little bit of strange news. Uh, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about some of our favorite books of the year. So that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. What do you want to do? Do you want to start with a piece of news or you want to start with an ad spot and then jump into news? Let's do the ad spots and then we can talk all we want to about the first thing because I feel like waxing a little poetic. Ooh. Ooh. That's a little teaser. Now, I, now I'm excited too. All right. Do the ad spot and then I'll hear you wax. All right. Many thanks to Trusting Skylar by Susan Stoker for sponsoring this episode. Stranded on the side of the interstate, kindergarten teacher Skylar Reed is rescued by Carson Bull Rhodes, a former military operative who now owns Silverstone Towing. The attraction is instant, but Bull is cautious to let Skylar in on his secret. Silverstone Towing is a front for his real job as a killer for hire. When Skylar faces threats that have nothing to do with Bull's job, Bull will use everything he's learned to protect the woman he loves. Read Trusting Skylar by New York Times bestselling author Susan Stoker. I'm not going to lie, that book sounds completely like my jam, and I already opened a tab to buy it later. So, <laughs> uh, Also, I met Susan Stoker. She was lovely. All right. Now, I think 
We have all waited long enough to hear you wax poetic, but I'm assuming that we are talking about the same story about which you are going to wax poetic. So I'll give the quick rundown and then you can wax away. So you may have heard that romance authors and the readers who support them helped raise over $400,000 to fund the Democratic Senate candidates in two Georgia runoffs that are happening in early January. It would be remiss of me not to mention that Stacey Abrams was a huge force behind the larger efforts in Georgia this year, particularly around voter representation and making sure that everyone had, you know, access to a vote as they are due, as is their right. Um, Stacey Abrams, if you have not heard us talk about this before, is a romance novelist. She wrote under the name Selena Montgomery. And, you know, it was just a trio of romance authors. Uh, well, I guess sort of a for foursome. Well, so, okay. So, so yeah, who foursome? <laughs> so uh, that's actually really appropriate given that it was Kit Rocha. Uh, so it was Alyssa Cole, <laughs> Courtney Milan, and Kit Rocha who uh, are a duo. That's a pen name for Donna Heron and Brie Bridges. And if you have read uh, some of their books, you know that they are, they are open to all different kinds of polyamory. So the fact that we ended up with a foursome is, is kind of appropriate. <laughs> but so they, you know, decided to create this auction, a bunch of different authors and, you know, um, romance adjacent folks put up all kinds of really incredible books and annotated versions of books and, you know, mugs and swag and all kinds of different things. And their goal originally was $100,000. And they kept having to bump it up because people were just very excited about everything that they had to offer. It was incredible. And, you know, I do, we'll, we'll link both to an EW piece by Maureen Lee Lenker, who has covered romance for Entertainment Weekly for a while, that kind of just gives you the summary. And I will also link to a, a larger piece in Jezebel by Kelly Faircloth that kind of gives not only some background about this, but around other social justice and, and voting in politically adjacent causes. Kelly Faircloth is, has been writing about romance for a long time for Jezebel and I think has won awards for it. So anyway, we'll, we'll link to both. But there was in the Entertainment Weekly piece a really great quote from, I think it's Brie Bridges. Yes where she says, we read these books about the world falling apart and people coming together to put it back together and get their happy ending. It's almost like a training, which sort of captured for me in a lot of ways, a lot of what people don't always understand about romance in the romance world. So anyway, that is in general what happened. Jess, I will let you add any details and then add all of your brilliant insight as well. So it would behoove us to say that all of the money spent for the auction was split three ways between Fair Fight, which is Stacey Abrams's organization, Black Voters Matter, which is a national organization, and the New Georgia Project. So when you, so how it worked was you bid, but you didn't actually give any money to any of the authors involved. You donated and sent your receipt in. And when you, when you did the donation, it would break it down. You'd see how much you were giving to each organization. And some people decided to round up. So even though the final auction price was, I think it was around 395 or something like that, once they had actually tabulated all of the numbers from all of the donations that had been made and sent in as proof, it was almost 500 grand. So the people who went out and spent money for this, whether they were, you know, getting a single copy of a book that was signed or that Kate Spade 
purse that everyone has been coveting. Ah, the typewriter purse. Yeah. Or a very special limited edition signed and notated copy of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Or a conversation with a showrunner from a big network. Like, there were so many various tiers of this whole thing that they just, like, weren't expecting the response that they got. And people kept adding things. And I think, actually, when they were just sort of, like, thinking about it and sort of talking about it on Twitter, they were like, can we raise 20 grand? And then it was like, well, how about 100? And then it just, like, kept going and kept going and kept going. And then how, how about a half a million? And, you know, it was the brainchild of these these four people, but they had, like, so many volunteers involved. Apparently, there were people they had that whose specific goal on their Discord group was to be like, go to sleep. Has everyone eaten today? Like, just... <laughs> It was it was such a great thing to see not just authors come out, but people who are involved in romance as as part of romance or just sort of peripherally, like people who have adapted shows or who are editors for lots of things or agents or any of that. Because there was actually a lot of stuff for writers. You know, people were offering critiques and conversations like people were bidding for like Zoom conversations with authors and other people who are in the publishing world that I just, I wouldn't do it for free. Like I, I, I am too anxious to be like, oh yeah, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just get on Zoom with Beverly Jenkins for an hour. I won't embarrass uh -huh. myself at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I know, I almost messaged you to be like, should we bid on that Beverly Jenkins thing and like just get her to be on One in Romance? <laughs> just be like, we would like to interview you and then record it. I feel like we could have crowdfunded that. But you know, next time, next time. Next time. <laughs> but, you know, it was just like, it was amazing to watch. Like even, like I did a couple very, well, small in comparison bids early on that were things that I wouldn't be outbid for because they were buy it now. Like I don't I don't like the anxiety of going mm -hmm. for bids, so I just went for a bunch of buy it now things. So for the rest of the auction period, I just watched the numbers grow. Like I would just refresh it every few hours and see where it was and just be like so excited for the people who were organizing it to like see their brainchild actually happen, all of the people who were involved and for the voting organizations that this is all going to. Because like if you're unfamiliar with what's been happening in Georgia for the past several years and why Stacey Abrams is is like on the ground, boots on the ground with the fair fight, is that with the population of Georgia the way that it is, and then the way that voting is in Georgia, you can see a discrepancy. So these are organizations that are working to narrow the gap. And I'm just really happy that we as a community were able to come together and just like do the thing. And there are other groups that have done the thing too, that I'm very, I'm very happy for. Like, there are two YA groups, I think, that are also doing some kind of auction. There's a mystery writers group that have a few romance things connected to it. And I think by the time everyone's listening to this, their auction will have closed, which is too bad. Um, but you can always continue to donate to those organizations. And you can go to the Romancing the Runoff website 
and still donate individually to those groups. And it's just like, it was just such an amazing thing to watch live. And then there was the epilogue. (laughs) There was the epilogue. Where after it had ended and it had been super successful, Stacey Abrams said, you know what, actually... I would like to be a part of this as well. And everyone was like, of course, we would love, why would, yes, please, please. So she donated a hardcover of her book, Rules of Engagement, um, written under the name Selena Montgomery, that she signed as both Selena Montgomery and as Stacey Abrams. And it went for $3,200, which is amazing. So it's just like a story that is delightful, just gets more and more delightful. Absolutely. So hooray for that. And yeah, I think, yeah, I am 100% with you, Jess, that it was just kind of in a year that has been really, really difficult for so many people and for so many reasons. It was nice to get to see a force for good in larger romance manifesting itself in the way that you and I were not surprised, I don't think, to see, but maybe the extent to which was uh, happily surprising. And I was thinking about it a little bit. A year ago, it was almost a year ago, because it was right after we recorded our last episode of last year, was Mm -hmm. when the RWA just complete disaster mess erupted, Mm -hmm. or at least came public. It had obviously been going on for a long time. So it's nice to get to end the year on a on a little bit of a happier story oh actually Absolutely. a way way happier story way happier story <laughs> to qualify with that. one of the people yeah. involved <laughs> yes like exactly courtney milan at the end of last year courtney mm-hmm. milan at the end of this year yeah it's the only good thing 2020 has done for us <laughs> and what a helpful transition you have just created for us would you like to say another nice thing about courtney milan courtney milan wrote the one book that is a romance genre romance novel to make it onto what can be contentiously considered not the people's thing, but, you know, the New York Times notable fiction list of 2020. And I feel like the first time I ever heard about a romance novel making it onto that list was A Princess in Theory in 2018. Yeah. And there there must have been at least one last year, but maybe not. If I had to guess, I would say there was probably exactly one last year. <laughs> I feel yeah. like at this point, that is a thing where they reserve a slot for a romance novel, which honestly, they weren't doing when we started this podcast, which I'm not saying we are the reason. <laughs> we <laughs> might be. We don't know. <laughs> Um, but no, they have, they have, you know, we, one of the things that we talked about regularly the first year that we were recording was that the coverage in the New York Times was not good. And then they actually, you know, started to invest in it and pay more attention to it. And so they have started adding romance. But the thing that kind of astonished me about this is that Courtney Milan's book was independently published. She published it herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's The Duke Who Didn't, by the way, is the name of the book. We've talked about it before. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it again in a little while. Maybe. And I asked uh, Jen Northington, who has, I think, a New York Times subscription, which I do not. She took a look to see. And at least this year, it was the only self-published book on the list. It would not surprise me. I can't say for sure that it is, but it would not surprise me if it is the only self-published book that has appeared on this list, at least in modern history in recent years. And that is, I think, also a really notable accomplishment that, I mean, that this is the New York Times. These people Mm -hmm. didn't even take romance seriously two and a half years ago. So I don't, to me, that feels like a big deal. 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty big deal. And I got to say I'm not surprised that of her books, just like books written by Courtney Milan at any point in time, this is the one that showed up as even the New York Times has noticed me because it's not it's not just because it's a spectacular book. It's because it's so different that it is notable. It is a notable book by romance readers, by people who might not read romance, but if they're going to pick up one historical Victorian romance novel in their lives, it might be this one. Yeah. Which, and then that's interesting, because not to, you know, transition this again, but it's so interesting to see how how these, you know, we talked about year-end lists a few episodes back, and we, we don't need to rehash all of that, but we talked about the Goodreads Choice Awards and the book that was selected as best romance by Goodread users was uh, from Blood and Ash by Jennifer L. Armentrout, which I have not read. I, you know, I have read a couple of books by Armentrout and I've, I think, enjoyed them. Her her genre is not always a great fit for me. And actually, this one is interesting to me. I may check it out. But, you know, just bring it back to the New York Times Courtney Milan thing that the Duke who didn't is not on this list. It wasn't mm-hmm. on the list originally generated by Goodreads. And it was not on the list of five additional books that were added by readers, which is kind of just an interesting, you know, I guess, data point in this larger discussion that we had of these lists can be a little tricky. You know, some of the books that you and I really loved this year are on that Goodreads Choice Awards list. Mm-hmm. but not all of them, you know, like, and there are some books that I think probably I would guess that, that you and I could find at least five books on this list of 20 that neither of us has read, mm-hmm. maybe more. And that's some of that is due to the fact that there just is a lot of really great romance. I think it's also an indication that who is doing the judging and selecting tends to matter. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, because we had mentioned the Goodreads Choice Awards before, we did want to mentioned that From Blood and Ash was, was the number one book. Beach Read by Emily Henry that I know a lot of you really enjoyed was number two in terms of votes. Uh, you know, you can take a look. I'll link to it. Boyfriend Material and Take a Hint Danny Brown, which we've talked a lot about, were both pretty high on that list also. I did notice that some of the books that got added by readers a little later on, we didn't see as many votes for. But, you know, this is such an interesting list because I feel like Colleen Hoover ends up in one of the top five positions Every, every time. year. Like, yeah, I think this is just kind of one of those lists that there are, is, you know, certain readers, certain folks have have strong feelings. I was happy to see Talia Hibbert do so well. Um, mm-hmm. Her book ended up, I think, at like sixth. And, you know, it's honestly, speaking of things that are have changed since you and I have started doing this, I do think it is a more diverse list than it was three years ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In many ways. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which is exciting. You know, it's it's nice to see, even if, if these are not all books that you or I have read or, or necessarily are super excited about, some of them are, and I don't even know if that was the case three years ago. So, you know, that's something. Yeah, although I have to say, with the increase in the number of books published in romance in trade paperback, the yeah. lines are starting to blur, as mm-hmm. we see in the number three pick. And kind of the number four pick. The number three pick is In Five Years by Rebecca Searle, which I was thankfully warned ahead of time before I picked it up, read it, and reached the end, that it is not technically a romance. So. (laughs) Yeah. 
And that is, that's interesting too, because actually, I think in the original list that came out, there was nothing that had been published in mass market paperback. Mm. And the Ilona Andrews book, Emerald Blaze, did end up on the list. But this was, yeah, I think, like you said, that that shift to trade has had an impact on this list in more than one way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, also not a lot of historical on this list. But I think, you know, we've talked about some of that before. So anyway, we'll link to that list. And you actually still have an opportunity for at least one more best of voting list. When when this episode goes up, the reader chat romance awards will be open for voting. The nominations are open now, but those will have closed and you will be able to vote, which that I think is usually a good list. That is a good list. And there's actually a new award thing run by Romance Landia folks that's coming out. It's called the Swoon Awards. Ooh. And that's open for nomination, like all the way through December, I think. So I will give Trisha the link so that she can put it in the show notes because I just remembered it as we were talking. And then also, can we, can I vote too? Or is it too, am I not allowed? You can, you're more than welcome to. Okay, good. I like voting for things. Hooray. I'm not always very good at nominating things, but I do like to vote. Yeah, voting's great. <laughs> yeah, in all ways. But, you know, especially the romance novel kind of way, to be honest. Especially the way that I can do it, like, from my phone while I'm sitting somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That is nice. I'm going to be honest. That's, uh, that's my favorite way to vote. And you and I actually both got to vote slash contribute to the Book Riot Best of list, which we will post as well. I'm not going to mention the book that I talked about because I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about it. And I think you're actually talking about the book that you talked about, too. So yep. I will just link that and you can go and see what all of our Book Riot romance friends. Actually, I think Beatree ended up on that list, too, but in the fiction mm-hmm. section instead of the romance section. So Anyway, scroll through the entire list. It's really good. And if you are looking for some books to read as you are closing out 2020, the Book Riot list is, as always, top-notch. Top-notch. Not biased. I just feel great about it. (laughs) And then last, before we do one more ad spot, Jess, I don't even know how to talk about this thing happening from KFC. Well, let's let's talk about where it all started, shall we? Please do. Please sit back and and we'll get a history lesson here. So I don't actually know where it started in somebody's mind. Like, I can't imagine someone (laughs) at KFC being like, you know, it would be a really great marketing thing. Let's get the (laughs) romance community. Because a couple of years ago, they decided to publish Wings of Desire, which I actually sought out to read and then couldn't bring myself to. But I feel like now I have to read it so that I can compare it. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. And that was a, like, Colonel Sanders was on the cover in a clinch pose like it was a straight up romance novel it had pages you could read it i think you might still be able to get it somewhere so that was wings of desire and then i guess they decided well why don't we just take advantage of this whole hallmark thing well i don't think it's on hallmark it's on lifetime and make a mini film (laughs) Mm mm-hmm and if you were like what are they talking about i have no idea what's happening here sponsored in part by kentucky fried chicken is the movie mini movie recipe for seduction starring mario lopez as colonel sanders yeah and a lovely companion whose name i don't know but we're getting a 15 minute movie in the middle of the day sometime in the near future Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, it will have been available to you. 
So you might be able to watch it on the Lifetime app, or maybe it'll re-air at some point. I mean, given that it's a 15-minute commercial, I also wouldn't be surprised if it's on YouTube, you know? Uh, That's true. That's very true. You might be able to just watch it on YouTube by now. But it is a very brief romantic story about Colonel Sanders potentially cuckolding somebody. I didn't quite get what was happening, I'm going to be honest. But, you know. Yeah, I think we all have a lot of questions. Uh, (laughs) Now, let me ask you this before, you know, we steer away from this story possibly forever. First of all, one of my questions is about the look that Mario Lopez is is carrying in this with like a little bit. I mean, first of all, I will say, good job not casting a white person as Colonel Sanders. Like, you know, we're going to create this movie. Let's be diverse. And who doesn't love Mario Lopez in one version or another? But let me ask you this question, Jess. Is this not to like make it in any way more serious than it needs to be? Because let's be clear, it does not need to be serious in any way. But (laughs) is this kind of thing, whether it's Wings of Desire or a recipe for seduction, whatever, is it good for romance, bad for romance, or neutral? I honestly have no idea. Like, it's obviously poking fun, right? Mm -hmm. But I won't know until I experience it, which I am hesitant to do for so many reasons, if it's poking fun from inside the house or outside of it, right? Yeah. So, like, that's the big answer that we need to know if it's laughing with us or laughing at us. And it's hard to say. I don't know. Because maybe the people who own KFC or run the marketing company are absolutely in love with romance. We don't know that because it's all KFC, like, branded. (laughs) So, yeah, fair. Here's my counterpoint. I don't know if it actually matters because I don't know how many people are actually going to watch this. That's true. Or how many people actually read Wings of Desire. So there's a part of me that's a little like, oh, I'm getting texts from all of my friends who don't read romance Mm -hmm. about a recipe for seduction in the same way that I did about the book you mentioned, Wings of Desire, Wings for it, whatever. Some there are wings and there's desire. Uh-huh. And they're all like, oh my gosh, look, this is for you. This is totally your speed. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if no, you understand that this is not, not actually at all what romance is. So I will <laughs> say there's a part of me that worries, you know, not like in a very intense real way, but there is a little part of me that anytime this kind of thing comes out, I'm like, ugh. This is going to be the thing that people think, like people, it it plays into all of the stereotypes that people have about romance, many of which are not productive, Mm -hmm. at least in the way that it's being sold. I think you're 100% right that it is unfair to make those judgments without having actually watched the 15 minute mini movie. I still think people are going to do it. And so I'm a little like, I feel weird about this, but also I'm probably not going to watch this movie. Maybe. Oh, yeah, totally. Hopefully just all of the chatter about it and seeing it on Twitter and stuff has just sold a bunch of chicken for them. I'm hoping that they are just doing very well with chicken sales. Like, that's all I want out of this thing is for them to sell chicken. And Fair. whatever else they they have. Yeah. Turkey. Do they make turkey? I, I don't remember. I, there's biscuits and biscuits. potatoes. Something on the side. Yeah, there are, there are sides. There are sides. And if you are looking for a little more inspiration about why KFC would be pushing a sexy Colonel Sanders movie, I will link to an article in the Washington Post by Emily Heil and Lisa Bonos that actually does have some 
as much as I think there are also, you know, the puns and whatnot, it also does have some sort of discussion of why KFC would be taking this move and doing it in this way. So that link will be in the show notes. And I don't know, Jess, maybe by the time we get to 2021, you and I will both be not only prepared to watch this short film, but maybe obsessed with it. Maybe we'll be <laughs> maybe it'll be our first item of discussion in January 2021. We'll see. The thing that I've watched 40 times. Yes. Oh dear. Uh, I'm not making any promises. Yeah, I think that's a fair. I think that's that's only 10 hours. I don't think that's unreasonable. <laughs> that's a whole K drama I could be watching. Actually, that's like <laughs> half of a K drama that I could be watching. I mean, you say that now. Who knows what 2021 Jess is going to think? That's true. Anyway, we still haven't closed out 2020. And before we do, um, let me do one more ad spot for Too Far Media. Support for this podcast comes from Too Far Media, immersive story experiences by Rich Shapiro, designed to change the way literature is experienced. Visit Too Far Media at TooFarMedia.com or download the free Too Far Media app at your preferred app store. Once again, that's TooFarMedia.com or download the free Too Far Media app at your preferred app store. So thank you to them for sponsoring this last episode of 2020. Jess, it's time for the reckoning. Dun, dun, dun. I know. That's like so high stakes. Talk to me about some of your favorite books, at least one, start with at least one, of 2020, a year in which we really needed our favorite books. <laughs> Gosh, did we ever. And I noticed looking, I, I chose three and in sort of, I'll actually do them in order of the love and this year was definitely for me about the books that made me happy. And I know that some people will say that, you know, their their favorite books of the year were the ones that like got them really emotional and, you know, nailed in and, you know, maybe even you have some of those. But these were all books that just like gave me so much joy that they were the only thing that I could think about. So the first one is surprise surprise. Take a Hint, Danny Brown, the second book in the Brown Sisters series. And um, if you, I honestly don't remember if I've talked about this one in any sort of length. So this is about Danny Brown, who is a PhD student at a university, and Zaf, who is the security guard in the building where she teaches most days. And they when we start the book out, they're already friends, like she brings him coffee, and they chat and all of that. And he is totally enamored, but knows that he is a serious relationship person, and she is not. So they end up in a situation where someone has decided that they're dating. And he's like, hey, will you go with this? Because this, uh, this social media boost is, is sort of helping the organization that I run on the side where, you know, we help kids not be part of the toxic masculinity culture. And she's like, sure. And things go from there. But anyway, that was kind of my rundown to take a hint, Danny Brown. And much like most Talia Hibbert books, it is A, hilarious, B, like, really heartwarming and wrenching at the same time. Like, there, there are a lot of emotions happening when you're reading this book. And see, adorable. Like, 
there it's you know all of the beats are there that i i look for when i'm reading a romance especially a contemporary romance and their relationship is great danny is openly and outwardly bisexual and we actually like it's not just like a throwaway line like it's part of the story and there is a Kimberly Crenshaw kind of foil character who is just like a person that I want to meet someday. And it's just, there are so many amazing things about this book. And I think it was my first five-star read of the year and it was not the last, but we'll get to that eventually. (laughs) Yeah, I loved that book too. I actually got to write that up for the book riot best of 2020. And it's, it's, to be fair, I think I waited till you'd picked yours. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I, I tried to not step on your feet on that one. But the, one of the things that I said about it, it's just people talk about losing yourself in a book. And Talia Hibbert has this incredible way of letting you lose yourself in a book, but it, it still seems very familiar, right? Like mm-hmm. the world just seems so familiar and the characters do too. So yeah, that is a favorite of mine as well. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you one next. Um, and this is a book that I mentioned sort of briefly last week. It's interesting for you. It's interesting that you mentioned that all of the books that you love this year were full of joy. Mine had some joy, but a <laughs> lot of trauma. And I don't know why, because as you know, that's not my normal thing. We'll chalk it up to the weirdness of 2020. But the three that I have, and, you know, hopefully, we'll, we'll at least name all of them, even if we can't do full descriptions of all of them. But the, all of them are books that I have continued to think about, even after reading them, some of them months and months after reading. Deal with the Devil by Kit Rosha is one that I read more recently, but that just really stuck with me, I think partly because of the way that it addressed one of our recommendation requests and that someone was looking for a book that was sci-fi fantasy, but was not full of as much cruelty. Mm-hmm. And I think Deal with the Devil, you know, we I mentioned it as a, a recommendation for that book, but I do think that just sort of some of the ways that it deals with good people doing bad things or having to make the less terrible of two decisions and kind of moral obligations. And when you can lie to someone, when you should lie to someone, what the values are of how do you value your teammates over other people? It's just a really, there's a lot of really interesting discussion there. And it's, so it's like a near future, uh, sort of post-apocalyptic kind of book. It happens in like the 2080s or so, maybe 2070s, something like that. And uh, Nina and her team are sort of these librarians, these mercenary librarians that are trying to connect people in their community with not only the information and books that they need, but also a lot of the resources they need, which, as you know well, Jess, is the job of current day, non post-apocalyptic librarians mm-hmm. um, who are heroes in their own right. And she is approached by this captain of this team that has split off from this larger kind of controlling agency. He approaches her team to try to help them with a thing that is actually not what they need help with. He is, this isn't much of a spoiler because you find out really early on, he has been hired to deliver Nina to people who are sort of hunting her. And he feels like he has no choice because it's going to cost his team their lives if he doesn't do it. So anyway, there is just sort of a lot of questions around loyalty and family. And it is, you know, it's a little intense and it certainly is violent, but it's just, yeah, it's a book that I can't stop thinking about. And I'm, I'm very anxious for the next book in the series to show up. And I will mention just quickly that it in a similar way to 
Danny Brown, although it's not a main plot point, the sexuality in this book for multiple characters is very, very fluid, including Nina. And so it's kind of refreshing to see that as well. So that's Deal with the Devil by Kit Rosha, one of my favorites of the year. And if we continue with the da 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 da, um, <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to The Duke Who Didn't by mm-hmm. Courtney Milan, which was just such an amazing read. It is a vaguely persuasion y story. You have Chloe, who lives in a town that is not like any other that you have read in a romance novel of historical variety, probably. And Chloe is of Chinese descent. Her parents moved to England from China, or she and her her father did. And she and her father are working on making the best sauce. And she is all ready to premiere at the games that the town is famous for. They draw people from near and far. And one thing that she isn't expecting, because it hasn't happened for three years, is for Jeremy to show up after coming as a kid and teenager and sort of expressing his desire to marry her. Then that is what happens. And she's like, stop distracting me. I've got my clipboard. I've got my list and I've got my sauce. Go away. (laughs) And Jeremy Wentworth is a man who has a secret. He is the duke who didn't. He inherited a dukeship. He is also of partial Chinese descent. And he, dukedom? Dukedom, I think is the right word. And he- I support you. He owns the town that they live in, but nobody actually knows who the Duke is. So they call him things like the Duke who didn't. And he's like, uh, I'm keeping this horrible secret and I can't ask Chloe to marry me or get her to fall in love with me again because they were kind of sweethearts, but not really until I reveal this part of myself. But I, if I do it, she'll hate me. So I won't do it. So there's all of this stuff happening in the town and the courtship that isn't a courtship, at least to Chloe, and the sauce and all of these things. And it's just such a delightful book. You're, you're like, I can't imagine anyone reading this book and not smiling the entire time. And also really wanting pork buns. Um, Just <sighs> get some bao and eat it before mm-hmm. you read the book, because if you don't, you're going to want them. And I can't have bao because I can't find a place that makes gluten-free bao. But that's a completely different story. Anyway, The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan, a smiler of a book. Look at that cover. Just like, read it. If you enjoy historical romance of any kind, you will love this book. And then you will cry reading the author's note. So <laughs> smile through the book, cry through the author's note, and then do what you will. All right. That's a lot of good advice, both related to reading and also Chinese food. So (laughs) thank you for that. I will just mention two others fairly quickly because I've talked about both before, but Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev is one that I just, again, like can't stop thinking about. In particular, a lot of the ways that the narrative is done in this book and, and how 
it ends up looping in a third character beyond just the two main characters later on, which adds just such an incredible depth. This one is one that you some people might think is a little bit more on the women's fiction, which is a term that I hate, <laughs> side of the spectrum. But it, there certainly is a central romance and there is an HEA. I will. I mean, we're talking about it on romance. I'll just tell you that now. And it is a um, sort of in Sonali Dev's kind of remaking Jane Austen books. There is a, a twist of, of persuasion in here. And it's two people who were childhood best friends slash in a relationship in love. They got torn apart. And now they're being reconnected on Cooking with the Stars. So you can uh, check out more of the details on that. The only other thing I'll say about this book, other than I loved it and really, really enjoyed it, is do check out some of the content warnings. I can tell you for sure that there is parental death, there is death from suicide, there is sexual assault. Um, some of that happens on the page, not all of it does. But if you are kind of just trying to keep track of any of those kinds of things, you know, seek those out to make sure that it's the right fit for you. And the other book that I will mention again, sort of quickly, because I've talked about it is Two Rogues Make a Right by Kat Sebastian, which it just was such a good reminder to me this year of how character driven romance can be. I think of myself as being someone who is more into plot and into, like I talked about, deal with the devil is full of like, plot and twists and turns and blah, blah, blah. And Two Rogues Make a Right is also a really lovely, wonderful book that it's just so focused on Will and Martin and their relationship and how challenging it is and how the two of them both just really have to grow and able to make in order to make it work. But for both of them, it's really worth it to do that. And so they're willing to put in the time and the effort. And of course, there is some challenges, but the dark moment isn't particularly dark. And it's just it's sort of gentle, I feel like in a in a year that that needed some gentle. Um, and there is some trauma in this one, too. But but it all works out in the end because it's a romance. <laughs> and I really did appreciate how someone who is starts out as kind of a villain in this Seducing the Cedric series by Cat Sebastian turns out to be one of the main characters and one of the heroes in this final book. So Two Rogues Make a Right by Cat Sebastian is the last one that I will I will mention. You want to sneak one more in, Jess? I will do it. And it will be very short because you, you can read some of my thoughts on it in the best books book right list. But spoiler alert by Olivia Dade, definitely one of my favorite books of all time. And, you know, it's, it's fat positive. It's about fandom. It's about cosplay. You've got a um, male protagonist who is this kind of dual character of golden retriever in public and really thoughtful and brilliant and also into fandom in private. And like their relationship is great. I actually read a book where 90% of it is a, a deception plot. And you've got to really draw me in to get me to read a deception plot. Like, who doggy do you? And this one did so well. And the interstitials of like, fan fiction and movie movie scripts and all of that are just so great. It's such a fun book. That is also one that is emotional. Like this one, this one wasn't a smile the whole time book. This was like a, a sometimes I want to punch you book. But making it to the end was just amazing. And I think I did it in one or two sittings. And so spoiler alert by Olivia Dade. I am very excited for the further coming books in the series. And yeah, I think, I think that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it for us. <laughs> 
Speaking of further coming books, we are probably going to talk early in January about some of the books we're excited about that are coming in 2021. Mm -hmm. So if you have any of those, if you have any favorite books of 2020 that either you feel like are being appropriately lauded or are not getting nearly enough attention, please let us know what you read this year that you loved, what you're excited about for next year. That is what this space is for. Absolutely. And you can do that by contacting us at whenandromance at bookriot.com. You can find me on mostly Instagram, once in a while Twitter. I am at Trisha Haley Brown in both places. And you can find me mostly on Twitter, but I'm getting better at making sure I'm on on Instagram as well. At Jess is reading all one word on Twitter at just underscore is underscore reading on Instagram. And, you know, I do get direct messages, but that might be the only time I remember to actually log in in a day. So excellent. <laughs> and again, you got you can catch us both at when and riot at bookriot.com if that's easier. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. Jen's great. Yeah, and has been all year long and, and long before that. And so, yeah, I, you know, we're closing out the year, we're closing out the episode. But I, I will say, Jess, I, as always, am delighted to just have gotten to do this with you all year. It was one of the major highlights of my year. So thank you to you and to Jen and to everyone at Book Riot who supports us. And thanks to all of you who listen. We wouldn't get to do this if you didn't. And some of you have been rating and reviewing, which is great, too. Yes, please continue to do that. It helps us do better and makes the show better. And thank you, Trisha, for just being the voice on the other end <laughs> whenever I needed it. <laughs> yeah, boy. And I think we all did a lot this year. So again, thanks to everybody for listening. Best of wishes for the end of this year. We are excited to talk to you in 2021. Absolutely. And in the meantime, if you're doing it, happy reading. Happy reading, everybody. <laughs>